Hello, everybody, and welcome to Volume 1, Issue 48 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. Melding the comic book stylings of Joe Madureira with Hebrew mythology while lifting structure and mechanics wholesale from other popular franchises, Vigil's assured 2010 debut Darksiders caught reviewers and gamers by surprise as the sleeper hit of the year. Going on to sell north of a million copies, sequels would follow with Darksiders' lead character War, supplanted in each one by one of his equestrian brothers. First Death in 2012, then Psoriasis in 2014's next-gen Darksiders 3, and finally Thrush. Joining me, Leon Cox, this week, Tony Atkins. Hello. Darren Foreman. Blessings upon everyone. And Carl Moon. Hey, guys. Obviously, I was being a bit silly there in the intro. Um, the other horsemen are not called Psoriasis and Thrush. Uh, the reason I made that we joke is because uh, in the mythos of the Darksiders... Now, apparently, the, the game was originally going to be subtitled with a colon, um, Wrath of War, and it's actually very nice that this game doesn't have a, a subtitle with a colon because it makes um, listing it on the, pog- on the blog and everything much easier. Um, but they've changed uh, Pestilence and Famine uh, to Strife and Fury... Which seems a bit lame. Well, could you imagine famine? Come on. Yeah. I'm so hungry. <laughs> what a gaming experience. But it's not him that's hungry. He makes people hungry. So there, I'm sure there could have been some really... I was talking to uh, Jay about this and uh, our uh, fine website man and uh, soon to return triumphantly to the podcast next week for Metal Gear Solid 4 about this. And we both agreed that actually... Wouldn't it have been more interesting, rather than kind of make the more obviously video gamey sort of uh, potential strife and fury? I think pestilence and famine could have made for some really interesting, almost Peter Molyneux style um, gaming. I see the problem with the video game industry where that wouldn't happen because he's got a big sword and he likes hitting people with it. It strikes me mm. as like, you know, where uh, License Revoked, the Bond movie became License to Kill, the idea that, um, uh, you know, they suggested that people didn't understand what the word revoked mean. It does uh, a shit name, though. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. Uh, but it was it was the, the real name. And um, the, the Madness of King George as well, uh, was supposed to be Madness of George the third and uh i think that's right and the the idea again was that they couldn't call it that because people would have said well what happened to the madness of george one and two so um and he does that in an american accent leading us to believe that's what he really thinks yeah sorry that was a bit (laughs) um 
So yeah, but anyway, we're not here talking. We're not even talking about Darksiders Two. Uh, uh, one of us has played it a little; the rest of us haven't. So this is uh, back to 2010, early 2010 on the consoles, and Darksiders. Now I bought this uh, as soon as it went cheap, which was about a month after it came out, I think, mm-hmm. um, for the Xbox 360. I seem to remember the on upon initial release, the 360 version was plagued with tearing, um, but they soon patched that out. Uh, and uh, I played it until about the second dungeon, but I got to admit I wasn't really taken with it on my first play. Put it put it aside. Ended up trading it in, and then only played it again recently on uh, PlayStation Three, which was the free copy I got with my PSN Plus subscription. What about you, Tony? Uh, this is a classic back catalogue title, if there ever was one. It's on so many people's back catalogues, and it was on mine. So I owned it on the Xbox 360 shortly after release. Once again, didn't play full price. Had it for a good long time, and then sold it. That was great. Yeah. Oh, same here. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, then it came out... Uh, I brought it, No, I brought it on the PC. Um, it's on... Yeah. Uh, PC version came out um, quite a few months mm. after, I think. Um, yeah, like eight or nine months yeah, after. Yeah, but I only just... You know, I recently purchased it, and I was like, yeah, cool. It, it, once again, like £4 from Steam yeah, or yeah. something ridiculous. Mm. And then, obviously, I, I own it on the PlayStation Network, thanks to the, you know, the PlayStation Plus promotion of it. Uh, yet, I played two hours of the PC one, and that's my history with it, and eventually decided, in fact, I was going to... It felt more like a console game so i played it mm. i ended up playing buying it again on the xbox 360 and playing <laughs> through on the 361 even though i owned it on the pc okay then uh darren um it's kind of hazy now but i believe that i bought it on release um didn't play it right away but then i had all the the positive buzz surrounding it and mm. gave it a shot so there's not really a particularly deep uh backstory to me playing this game it just just another game that came out at the time, and basically I heard it was good. Started playing it. Cool. And Carl, I remember you being quite enthusiastic about this, I think, at the time. Uh, I got it when it came out. Um, I was quite fortunate that it was released on January 8th in the UK, and my birthday is the January the 7th. Oh, nice. Uh, um, and it came out the same day as Bayonetta, uh, which ah. I'm sure we'll reference at some point for one reason or another. Um, and I actually played Bayonetta first and later, about six weeks later went to Darksiders after Tony was complaining that I shouldn't have any sealed games on my shelf <laughs> Yeah, put, put Darksiders in and it, I just sort of clicked with it I think I was the sort of original Twitter praise of that game as as far back as I can remember there was no one else actually playing it at the time which was probably a good thing See, listen to me <laughs> well, not too much. Yeah, I seem to remember uh, sort of being aware of it as it was coming out, but uh, it not being the kind of game that I would definitely, I definitely wanted to uh, risk forty pounds on day one for. And yes, uh, Bayonetta, I'd been lusting after yeah. for a long time and uh, hit that one hard. So um, yeah, it got it got put back. But as I say, when I did finally play it initially. I wasn't so excited. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say about uh, Jay and this game was, and I remember having this conversation with him uh, near release time, Jay was uh, quite a big comic fan, and obviously Joe Maderera worked on this, Joe Mad, as he's also known. Uh, he was, before he went to work for NCSoft about uh, a decade ago, with, I believe, with the other guys who worked on this game, at least most of them, uh, 
he made some comics, and one of one of these comics was uh, called Battle Chasers. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with it, but it was uh, it started in '98 and ran to 2001. It was extremely highly regarded, but was also renowned for uh, having increasingly long gaps between issues. And the last issue that was released, I think it was nine or ten, uh, was left with an almighty cliffhanger, uh, which was never to be resolved because Joe Madureira went into the video <laughs> games industry and never made that final comic. So Jay has always said that he'll never play as much as he's watched me play Darksiders twice now, bits of it, um, and said, oh, it looks pretty cool. You know, oh, I quite like the, you know, I like the style. Jay likes um that he likes God of War, he likes Zelda games, so it, may, it makes perfect sense. But he won't play that fucking game until Joe Madureira makes way to make final, a stand. Yeah. Nice, yeah, <laughs> makes the final issue of Battle Chasers. So, so that's that. I'm much the um, same with Deadwood. Oh right, okay. It, has, they, has anyone from Deadwood gone into the video games industry? Uh, unless Timothy Oliphant's been doing voice acting, I would doubt it. Well, he did play uh, Hitman. Agent Forty Seven yeah. in Hitman, so that's about as close as we can get. Anyway, let's not turn the Darksiders game podcast into the Hitman movie podcast, apart from anything, because I've never seen it. Um, that would make an awesome podcast. Yeah, okay. Uh, you might want to take that one over to Alex at Digital Gonzo and suggest uh, <laughs> suggest that. You can do Hitman and Max Payne in one show if you want. Um, we'll carry on doing the games. So, the thing that everyone says, and there's no point in beating around the bush, the elephant in the room and all that. Now, what people tend to say is, oh, that's that game that's a massive rip-off of 3D Zeldas. But there's more to it than that. People sort of quite often say, well, Zelda, but it's really a mashup of Zelda and God of War. But beyond that, there's also... You'll see bits from all sorts of uh, other games in there. And uh, I don't know if any of you have got any others, but ones that struck me were Prince of Persia, the 2008 one, mm-hmm. uh, Legacy of Kane, Soul Reaver... Uh, Onimusha, Otogi, and Portal. Obviously, Portal's a pretty blatant one. I reckon it's Prey, because that had the similar wormholes rather than Portals. Prey, okay, yeah, good call. And the Blade from Dark Sector. Yeah. Uh, Yes, of course, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Any more for any more? But here's my thing about (laughs) this. I mean, the main character looks like a bit like Arturius from World... uh, Not Arturius. Uh, The guy from World of Warcraft. Yes. Mm. Arthas. Arthas Menethil, yeah. Yes. But we weren't very quick on that one, were you, Tony? <laughs> but well, could we not say though that almost every video game at this point is some derivative from another video game? Yeah, I mean, even God of War that took quite a few kind of like prompts from Rygar, the Legendary Adventure, which was a PS2 game. Absolutely. Well, which was based on a mid '80s coin-op. Well, uh, yep, Greek mythology as well. And I, and I think some games hide it better than others. But and yeah, I'm. I'm not one of these people that believe there is no more good ideas. They're all just the same idea that's just reformatted into other stuff. I, you know, no, we've definitely covered some stuff on Kane and Rince, which proves that there are, yeah, there um, are new ideas. But yes, it's it's the line between. Obviously, this is it's actually a, an, an obvious topic for this show is where where, where the line ends yeah. and where plagiarism begins. I think yeah. that's that's the better question. Yeah. I think it's. I think originality is overrated, and I think it's fine to be uh, to pay homage to good things as long as you do it well. Generally, um, I think I don't. I don't get the feeling that most people who played Darksiders uh, wanted to level it at the creators of this game that they didn't like. They didn't use these ideas from other games because they were just a bunch of 
imaginationless hacks but because they really loved those games and they wanted to make a cool game with those ideas in there's there's a really good um interview that giant bomb done or patrick Kleppet at giant bomb done um where they, they talk about the you know they took i think he talks with the four founding members doesn't he um of visual games and yeah it's hayden dalton's lead designer on both darksiders games so far joe madera is the creative director uh david adams is the lead developer and uh on the first game uh the lead level designer and he deserves some credit i think ryan stefanelli and and he um yeah he leads straight into that that elephant in the room about you know do you think this is derivative you know a lot of people would say this is derivative of zelda and they bring up some really interesting points which basically would would be that Zelda is a fantastic game and you know if anybody could make a, a game like Zelda then surely that's a good thing because it's a great game to be uh, compared to but at the same time there's not many other people that, that are going out there and making a game similar to Zelda so you know first person shooters there's loads and you can trace back you know routes from all sorts of angles where you know they all kind of compare to each other the same with football games you know there there is definitely you know differences that were saying we've that's raced. a little different because yeah, you're simulating a but saying you know racing thing, and but... stuff like that that mm. there's different com- components from each one of those games you can say well it kind of takes from that and does that but it's happened so often that you you kind of just put it to the back of your mind but i think the the whole you know zelda uh, dungeon approach seems to be you know less of a, a rev- less of an avenue that developers go down i i, I don't know maybe it's hard to pull off uh, maybe they're just afraid to uh, never match up to any kind of Zelda game and we all do exactly what we're going to do with Darksiders and go well it doesn't maybe pull this off at like Zelda I guess the fundamental difference between uh, a Zelda-like and, uh, and another a kind of RPG or even action RPG is that it relies on Although there is uh, leveling up of, of items and stuff in the game, it's mm. more about using uh, one. You know, one item is an is a key for one dungeon or one boss, effectively, um, and then you take that item into the 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 linking the hub or the open world, and you use that to uh, access new areas, which is obviously a, a, a Metroid thing, which comes from the same stable as, yep. if not the same designer as Zelda in the first place, um, which obviously. The people at Konami loved that concept so much they brought it into their Castlevania games, which were originally just platform hack and slash games. So, yeah, I mean, this you know this sharing and, and evolution of good ideas is is inevitable. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. I wonder whether the industry just evolved away from that style of presentation and, and kind of amalgamated it more into just action adventure games where it doesn't have some of those trappings yet. But it was the one thing that if you go back and listen to people talk about Dark Siders, they brought it up, and I think they brought it up because. They liked it. They it wasn't a well. Your game's rubbish because of this. It's actually actually I, I like the familiarity of this because Ocarina of Time is one of my favourite mm. games of all time, and you're never going to see Link pull a matador's head off. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that uh, the the designers of this game, when asked, you know, what their favourite games of all time are, they pretty much all said Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. They weren't they weren't ashamed about it, and you know, and and when when Patrick Klepek, as the interviewer in this interview, says, I think you actually you know in a couple of areas you did things better than nintendo are doing them they were like wow you know that's so cool um but overall you know this i mean this is kind of well ahead of of my summary at Mm -hmm. the end like i'm somebody i prefer the slightly off kilter um whimsical slightly macabre occasionally atmosphere of zelda to the kind of blood and gore kids cartoon demons with big gruff cartoony voices stuff like that it just appeals to me less um, even though there's loads of fantastic uh, voice actors in this game doing good work, um, 
the the story is kind of um as i say it's uh, i realize it's probably a bit dicing with controversy calling it hebrew mythology but um that is what it is uh it's stuff out the bible but but twisted somewhat um and it is you know it's a tale of good and evil whereas for me the zelda games have um has ha- have a slightly more sort of interesting off kilter uh, atmosphere but I I can imagine there are a lot of people out there who would rather play as war with his massive sword. That would be me. Yeah, I was going to say Dara. <laughs> yeah. Care to expand? Sure. Um, there's not really much to expand on. I mean, the thing is, Zelda games, the story, it just never, they never grab me, you know? It's basically, hey, Link, uh, is there any chance you could go and kill that Ganondorf guy again? He's been a dick. If you just throw it out and finish him off, that would be really cool are you well that yeah i wasn't really talking about the story so much as i'm not saying the story in zelda is amazing um because it's not necessarily but the actual the sort of character design and stuff appeals appeal. to me yeah. subjectively it, it an overall more. aesthetic and stuff like that though i mean the thing is it's just i'm not saying zelda's got a bad aesthetic overall it's just it feels to catch my attention wind waker was the only one that did that and another wind waker game would be fantastic i'd love to play through one of those but um Strangely enough, even though Zelda's one of the games that started it, it just feels generic in and of itself. It always seems to be copying itself. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Whereas for me, I think, you know, the, the I think like some of the characters in Darksiders are quite cool and interesting, Ulthane. but mostly it, uh yeah, all uh all things are right. All things um, are badass, man. I like uh I like Volgrim voiced amazingly by Phil Lamar. Uh of uh, obviously he's Hermes in um, Futurama and uh, and Vamp in Metal Gear, but um, but overall, just you know, this is obviously this is not something we can really debate. But for me, I don't find the sort of this sort of classic, you know, horned, um, overly sort of uh, melodramatically voiced cartoon characters as appealing as as the sort of the Zelda aesthetic. Yeah, and I'm not saying that I love it; I just prefer it, you know. Yeah, sure. And the, the Zelda comparison is just a touchstone. It's, it's you know, it's just the the closest thing. If you had no idea what this game was and you were familiar with Zelda, then you know the exploratory of dungeons, gaining new equipment, moving on, and coming to the next kind of boss is not dissimilar. Well, yeah, well, it's yeah, but I mean that's the thing. It's not like it's it's just kind of similar. It's pretty, you know, there are whole chunks of it which are work in an identical fashion the you know the it is the way that the dungeons work is pure homage to to legend of zelda true but i I think you know what darren's point is aesthetically it's so different that i think that's that's to me where the break happens it's like okay yes i've seen i've seen these tropes certainly in zelda games before even down to the fact of opening chests and having that kind of tones and moving to the next area receiving equipment like all that stuff is there for sure Mm. but because aesthetically it's so different and actually um i think the the combat in it feels unique enough away from zelda the, well, the combat's nothing like Zelda. No. The combat is like God of War. Only I think it does a much better feel, uh, does job of feeling weighty and and substantial. Which is why I think in the end I came to, as somebody who came to this thinking, well, it's a bit of a Zelda ripoff. I ended up enjoying it more than I expected because I got into the upgrading my combat attacks in the way that you do in God of War. But actually, the feel of hacking people apart is more satisfying. But, but um, yeah, I, I've I've got about. 10 15 hours into skyward sword and and put it down 
one side just because I felt like, you know, I've seen most of this same before and I'm not too sure. I just, I need to run Zelda through or link through this all again. Um, where, at least with Darksiders, it was unique. It was, well, I'd say unique. It was fresh enough because aesthetically it was different enough and the combat was different enough for me to appreciate, you know, the surroundings. That was quite cool going into like the, like the destroyed train station, you know. Just even a, that slightly different kind of ambience to everything that you're looking at. It's enough mm. to give it a certain feeling of freshness. That's true. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, Zelda does is set at different in various different sort of versions of its own mythology, and and there are some changes to that, and obviously uh, dramatic changes in style in terms of um, with like Wind Waker and stuff. But but uh, yeah, this is not an environment that we've seen. Uh, an obvious Zelda like before. Um, I actually, I quite like that. The the start, I think the the start movie is actually quite cool mm. because it's, it starts off in the present, effectively in the present day. And then this biblical apocalypse kicks off in, uh, in cutscene style. I think that's actually quite well done. I mean, just to jump in regarding the whole, the whole comparison to Zelda, um, I often get pulled up because I can often appear incredibly critical of that franchise. And it's, for me, Zelda through the sort of mid to late nineties when it moved obviously on from a link to the past to Ocarina of Time, which was no doubt in a, a phenomenal game, it moved again onto Majora's Mask where it changed its game. It was a whole different experience and then finally on the GameCube it went to Wind Waker, which I'm sure we're all fans of mm-hmm. because it changed it again. But it was from that point on, Zelda has almost gone back on itself it certainly hasn't pushed on as Tony said it felt the whole same thing again after 15 hours nothing had changed and I think that's where Darksiders perhaps came in and captured the attention of people who were maybe looking for a Zelda game not in the Darksiders environment not in that world but with the changes that they felt that Zelda should have perhaps made specifically in terms of combat um and that's where it maybe garnered a few fans. Of, of course, as well, you, you do have a huge sway of demographic people that wouldn't go near a Zelda game with a barge pole purely just because it's a cutesy Nintendo franchise. It doesn't make it right, and we've had this argument before, but you know, I, I think you know, paying homage to something, a lot of people would have no idea what they're paying homage to. And I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the Zelda games tend to be thematically very similar, you know? And... Uh... Generally, I tend to get quite sick if at the start of the game you're asked to go and speak to all your friends to get some items so that you can leave the town. You know, it's just, I'd like to be able to get straight into the game to a degree, and starting off with an apocalypse definitely kind of sets the stage. You know? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I think, um, obviously, Nintendo, I'm not just making excuses for Nintendo, I haven't played um, Skyward Sword properly yet. I am a big fan of Twilight Princess, though, even though, obviously, some of the criticisms about it being, a, you know, kind of um, an HD Ocarina of Time remake, some of, there there is some truth to that. Um, but I think that Nintendo have to, or feel they have to accommodate a different kind of gamer, you know, Darksiders is obviously yeah. aimed at that kind of... I think that for all the Zelda fans saying that they want a new kind of style to it, I think generally their fan base would go ballistic if they changed too much. Well, I had, for instance, as well, you know, so what this is, Darksiders has been two titles so far, and I've even seen a few comments about the sequel, it being a little bit derivative of the first one. <laughs> Zelda's been around for a very long time and has many, many games under its belt, so you know, I think to do a, a fair comparison would be Darksiders... 
13. I don't know how many Zelda games we've had, but it... Uh, it quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's getting up it's in the upper quarter of a century's worth of, of Zelda games. I think the touchstone has to be put out there, and I think it's conversation worthy of having. The same way I, with the Bayonetta show, I, you know, we, we touched base back towards um, Devil May Cry, because, you know, it... It took well, that's, a, a, that's different because it was made by the same person. <laughs> no, but you know, it, it still took a lot of those fundamental ideas and then, in my opinion, approved upon them. So, yeah. you know, you, I, it, it can be reminiscent to a, a game of classic of old, but it doesn't mean it can't actually outdo that game in a lot of aspects just because it's, you know, it, it takes a, uh, a base and then adds new its own you know, unique style to it. And, you know, in, in many respects, I think Dark Siders does actually outdo Zelda into some areas. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, some people argue that the, you know, they say that Zelda's got more clever puzzles as such, but, I mean, if you're looking at it like that, you can also say that it's got a stronger combat system than Zelda. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, if it's definitely, biggest yeah. strengths don't quite match up the strengths of the game it's inspired by, it's also got different inspirations, where it's, it might not be even as strong as those strengths, but, like, combat puzzles, not as strong as either game, but better than one or the other. Mm-hmm. I actually think, uh, well, as I say, I, th- I think Darksiders does have some good, darn good puzzles in. I mean, I you know, so there are. Well. I just held it argued, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some dungeons in some of the Zeldas. You know, again, they've had a lot more games to to do this, but mm-hmm. c- um, there are some dungeons in some of the Zeldas which are just works of absolute genius, just games design majesty. Um, but not all of them are. There's some pretty sh- shitty, annoying dungeons in, in even in Ocarina of Time. You know, there's there's dungeons in that. Thinking of Jabu's Belly, which is awful. It's horrible to play. <laughs> and whereas there's nothing in Darksiders, there was no point in the game where I wasn't having fun. I don't think. And actually, getting around the place is feels a lot more contemporary. It's a lot quicker and smoother to actually. Um, traverse the environment, whether it be um, scaling the walls and, and clambering across the ceilings, or uh, um, even when you get later in the game, you get your horse, um, which is obviously a, a kind of a, a something else that we've seen in, in since Ocarina of Time. Um, it's all just it's all done very much with the player having fun in mind, and and it, apart from the odd sort of little uh, spike in difficulty in terms of a, a combat room being quite tough. Um, I always felt like I was about to make progress and I always felt like I was moving. I think the one thing I always experienced throughout the entire world of Darksiders was that the game was made by people who truly loved games. Whether, you know, we've drawn upon homage and, you know, what, what, where do you differentiate that from full-on theft? And it's that little bit of love that they put into getting stuff just right so that as a game you're always having fun. Um, and whilst we've mentioned all the games we've mentioned in before not once does it ever feel like it's just forced in there like we want this because you know this is the only way you're going to get through it's they put that in because they want you to enjoy what they've enjoyed um, and, and it came together quite well in that aspect there's a discussion in the giant bomb interview about um, water traversal and and you know again they've obviously just they've they've done the thing that you want games designers to do which is they've thought about why you know they want to they want to change it up they want you to have the experience of moving around the world in a different way in in three dimensions and the way to do that is obviously put the character in water also there's a there's an atmosphere and there's an uh evocativeness to to being in water but 
so many games get water wrong, even going back to Sonic the Hedgehog. It's like, why am I going so slowly? This isn't fun. This isn't why I'm playing Tension. Sonic. Um, yeah, but I mean, well, yes, but I mean, even in Mario 64, you know, which has some fantastic underwater moments, controlling the little fucker underwater was <laughs> was horrendous at times. And because you had the, you know, the, the air gauge to think about, it became... Yes, I mean, you had attention, but is that really what you want? I, I don't think there's anybody that truly loves underwater levels where they have to find air. I, and I think if they do like them, they're just... Well, well I think, again, <laughs> it might have a place in a game like um, I Am Alive or something like that where it's trying to be some sort of, you know, very tense, true, uh, yeah. realistic version, uh, sort of version of events. But in a game like Darksiders, as, as I say in this interview, they said, look... We're going to make it so that war is still war underwater. He's still a, you know, he's still a badass. He still zooms about the place. He doesn't need to breathe air for fuck's sake. He's a biblical exactly, yeah. kind of, yeah. So just Achilles heel is not being able to breathe underwater. Yeah, it would be, it would just be shit and annoying. Um, so rather than what you do, which is whiz about, you get attacked by these um, pretty inconsequential electric piranha fish um, that are easily batted away with one hit. And you zoom about the place. Visibility's good. Um, you don't get that thing where you kind of can't, you know, can't tell which direction you're facing and you're trying to um, realign your character. And yeah, just they they obviously did a lot of playing, you know, well, in, in I mean, that's creation thing. I mean, of When game. you're actually adding variety to a game, a lot of designers make the just carnal sin, colossal mistake of having this slight variations, just a turret sequence or underwater mm. or whatever, and then they make it bastard hard. <laughs> yeah, and then if you die, you go back five minutes and you do it again, and you die. And at any time that you're changing that variety, it should always be pleasant. It should always be fun to experience this new mechanic and not get shafted because you're not you haven't been used to it before. I'm thinking of the uh, yeah. Well, there's any number of terrible examples, but the 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 uh, ship defending turret sections in Dead Space spring to mind. No, there's As, there's a there's yeah. a Panzer Dragoon type se- segment in this. Oh yeah. Uh that's pretty spectacular though. Um but it's not hard. Well, it it might be hard on apocalyptic. Not really. I played it on normal. It, it's the only reason it would be hard is to um there's an achievement tied to it which is kill 160. Yeah, that's quite a tough actually. Achievement of that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so you if you don't know that one's coming up, you want to save you yeah, want to save so before I ran you get the wing times, beast. But yeah, that's that's yeah. something separate of course. Um, yeah, the other controversial section in this game, and I, and I understand there's another one in the sequel, is um, there's a bit where, and you're not forced into it, but it's highly recommended that you pick up this kind of... Actually, there's two, aren't there? There's one bit where you pick up a sort of um, a light-firing gun or electric-y, laser-y kind of gun um, to fight some angels mm-hmm. with, and there's another section where you uh, pick up a gun which uh, fires sticky explosives. Um I understand those are not popular with everyone because as basically it turns the game into a sort of a slightly slow third person shooter for the duration of those bits. And one of the things I've heard about the sequel is that they make this mistake again, only they expand upon it to a crazy degree. It's about 15 Mm. minutes of a really subpar third person shooter, apparently. Hmm. I mean, I found it, I found it okay in Dark Souls 1, you know, because I mean, it's, it's not lengthy and it's not hard. It's just something different mm. for a short while. Then you discard mm. it and you're back to the normal game. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've say I played this on apocalyptic difficulty. I know Carl did as well. Darren, yeah. I think you got the one case. So you did as well. And, and I've gone back to it in apocalyptic since completing it on normal. So I've played about the first hour or two. On you got new game plus as well, haven't you? So you carried some stuff over. No, not no. In, not in Darksiders mm. one. No, yeah, it's a shame. No, sadly not. Um, the Salamar will carry over, but I think that's about the only thing. Yeah, yeah. I only got three bits of that or something. Anyway, um, so. the reason I did, I, I just fancied doing a you know a, a proper cane and rinse of this game and actually getting the the one the all four thousand achievement points in it because um, yeah. it's got a really good achievement list and apocalyptic difficulty isn't necessarily batshit crazy hard. You do have to be aware that you will lose. Um, they're not hearts like they but lose your energy um, fairly rapidly and some of those uh, using slow guns can be a, a little tricky in, in that situation but the game's not cruel in any way it, you know, if, even if you die it, it puts you back in a relatively um, you know, not too distant future safe place so yeah I mean even any time you fall down a hole you're just put back on the ledge with a minuscule amount of life uh, taken away Mm. Yeah, falling down places is one of the least uh, problematic issues in the game. Um, yeah, I'm basically in, in the traditional fashion, as you go up the difficulties, it's you just need to block more and evade more. Um, but most of the enemies in the game don't really do a lot of blocking themselves, so you can pretty much uh, kind of do the go in, hack a few times, learn the animations. And I think um, overall in this we're leaping about a bit but that's just the way we're doing the show organically i think the um the animation in the game is is pretty damn fine but i personally am not a fan of a lot of the monster designs i think they're some of them are pretty crappy looking they're generally okay i mean i don't think it's got great anime design i don't think there's enough well i mean there's humans in the game which are fodder but i don't think Mm -hmm. there's really enough uh, enemies that have like a a distinct variety of like interesting attacks a lot of them come across as like meat shields that you just yes. knock the shit out of and then continue. Occasionally yeah. someone will blow up or grab you, but um, there's not really that much variety in what they well, do and there's not much Some nuance. of them look pretty cool, but, um, like, you know, but, I mean, obviously there's only so many different kinds of monsters you can do, but, um, and I'm, I'm not familiar with Madarera's cartoon work, so I, I don't know how it compares to that, but there's a lot of very again generic sort of um monster looking monsters some of them i think actually look a bit comical and goofy where I, i'm not sure they're supposed to i think the whole tra- travesty of it all is when you've got the the world of fantasy is that you come across enemies that are so standard fair and boring i mean we've compared the game to devil may cry um that had some great enemy design mm. and uh, stuff like Bayonetta had yeah. some fascinating enemy design and on this it's all very draw by numbers in terms of design standard enemy it, cartoon it, monsters and yeah. when you've attached yourself to a renowned not necessarily always popular comic artist not with Jay anyway yes not with Jay not, I believe Paul Rooney's also not a fan of him mm. um, and for that to really be the best that you know, you can come mm. up with. I know he was criticised in an early development model for the game for the first boss he designed, who was carrying cogs, and people criticised it, saying it looked like he was carrying tambourines. Um, so, I would love a boss in this game with tambourines. <laughs> well, that would have been better. I think Akami has uh, enemies with tambourines. But, 
so, so enemy design wise, I, I think you're probably spotting the money. I don't think there's anything. Some of the bosses are, are quite interesting. The bo- but some of the bosses the, are very cool. I thought. But yeah, we'll talk about yeah, the bosses the, separately. The, yeah. the general design of the fodder, as I as you would normally call them, yeah, they're okay. But I think it's doing it a slight disservice to say that um, you know they're they're just very generic because I think a, a lot of what he does, um, certainly in his his color palette, which is you know it's it's colorful but also muted in in a way that you know it could be over the top comic book but it's not and it also could be which is a problem i have with god of war just a bit too far the other way where it feels a bit too lifelike and you know the matadors heads that you're ripping off kind of to me kind of then there's a little there's a barrier that kind of goes up between that where i just feel slightly awkward about the whole thing like it's all it's overselling itself on that it's it's not just the design that's a problem as i said you know it's like Ninja Gaiden doesn't tend to have particularly great anime design from a visual standpoint. True. But the way that they interact with you, like rolling about trying to grab you, yep. trying to break your block, it gives them this personality that very few games get. And really, if you can nail the way that they attack you and kind of establish them as a threat, you'll give them a lot more respect and you'll remember them more fondly. Yeah, it's one of these... Uh, that's so true. And um, it's one of these games where you you can spend a lot of uh, souls. I mean, uh, you, you earn blue soul currency in this game which you spend with Volgrim the uh, obsequious shopkeeper uh, to unlock uh, weapon abilities um, you could end up with a whole bunch of stuff that you just never need to use because the enemies aren't clever enough for you to warrant using it you can pretty much mash one or two of the most effective combos over and over again some of the enemies you'll always want to grab like the bats and the and the zombie fellows because you get health out of them when you kill them um but generally there's you pretty much go through doing the same thing over and That's over again more of a However, gameplay, though, isn't it? it does it does yeah well i guess we're talking about the enemy design in both senses at this point we're talking about both their physical design and their gameplay design. i would say there is some unique stuff they do um to separate just the fodder but i don't want to call them keep calling them matadors but they're they're ball like things and sometimes they're they could be yeah, on they're f- the opposite of matador yeah so so they're um <laughs> Um, you know, some could be on flames, some have special abilities. But the ones I like, actually, you have to break down their shields and armor. And they do some neat stuff in, in the, as, as and when you deal without the damage, you see armor pieces start to fall off those characters, and you know mm. that you're actually whittling them down. That's and, quite satisfying. Cool. Um, yeah, and they, mm. they throw, you know, they could throw one or two other fodders around you, so you're trying to deal with them, uh, crowd control, at the same time, concentrating on the big guy. I think that is yeah. good enemy design in that because you are aware that you need to kill the you know these guys and you know disperse of the others um the mix of them is actually quite a bit better because it does sort of promote dancing around the battlefield and blocking you know like uh, mm-hmm. trying to yeah. single out weak opponents and then take out the harder ones um so like as a collective they can't be they, they're definitely fun to fight it's just like the individual design of one of them isn't that strong you know no yeah, the, the the ground dashing in this game is something you'll do a lot, and uh, and you can um, embellish it with an attack, I, which becomes very satisfying. I I think the dash is the key, or the dodge is the key to the how how much I enjoyed this game. I yeah. think without that, right. and I th- I think that's actually to me is is one of the keys to any kind of third person. You know, if it's up close and melee combat, is how good the dodge is. It's amazing in Bayonetta. Um, and yeah. in this, although it's it's fairly simple, I mean, it's, it's just one button press and you can obviously go whichever direction you're pushing, back, forward, left or right, um, it's, the whole game hinges on it. 
it hinges on the boss fights it hinges on just the mod the fodder you're taking down it hinges even in your movement in the environment if you just want to get somewhere just half a millisecond quicker like dashing up places off stairs and stuff to me it's the it's the fundamental linchpin to pretty much the entirety of the combat system take that away and yeah i think most of the yeah. combat would just be yes i'm bashing i'm hitting buttons and that's about it but what i what i do like about the enemy design and we've talked about you know that one big enemy in the room with lots of small ones and trying to you know take your attention away from that big one but quite often what you do you you're you're finished doing that that bout of combat and you'll be like oh, jesus christ that was that was close that was quite hard and then you'll go into the next room and they'll throw three of those guys which are really hard at you just like almost directly after you bloody hell i almost lost all my energy just trying to take that one one guy down but they you know good game designers they've te- taught you the patterns of how to actually defeat these people so the free actually don't become too much of a nuisance and you learn the patterns and you dash around so like the enemy designs himself i don't think are spectacular but i think some of the combat stuff that lace into them such as disagreeing um armor and the spewy guys which you don't get anywhere near because they they drain your health slowly i think that stuff links into it yeah. quite well and the yeah. guys that explode when you finish them off yeah because i mean the combat never actually becomes that dull throughout the game you know it's, uh... which is <laughs> you got bored of it yeah, i i didn't find it did on normal um it's interesting i went i did made the classic mistake when i went back on apocalyptic there's the first sub boss who's actually out in the the open world before you meet uh samael who's basically a, your classic demon um that was uh, actually took me like three goes on my second playthrough simply because I stopped using block so long ago on my first playthrough <laughs> because you didn't really need it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas on this fight, you actually uh, need, yeah, kind of needed to block. It's it's hard because I, I've got more of a, a, a summary of ultimately how I feel about this game, and there's there's two aspects which which throw me. And as we're on the combat, I I'll, I'll bring this one up here. Um, I think the game is too long. Um, it's, I mean, I, I, I played it for about 22 hours. Um, and the reason I think it's too long is I think some of the, the combat, although entertaining, isn't spectacular. And around the 15-hour mark, it just started to go okay. So like any Zelda game, like you know this is a kill room. You know this is an exploratory room. And they become very, very obvious late towards the game. It's like, this is another kill room. Oh, so it spawned those enemies. Great. So I'm just going to you know, work my way through there. And I just started to notice how the game was presenting itself to me, more so rather than just enjoying playing through the game. It really felt like, okay, I, n- I now know what you're going to do, and you're not actually going to change up a lot towards the back end here. And it just started to great. That might have been apocalyptic difficulty, possibly. Mm. But just at the, the last kind of five hours of let's get towards the back end of this game and, and some of that comes from the Black Throne which we, we haven't talked about the level mm. so I'll save it from there but I had a real a, a number of issues with the Black Throne level as well which is right at the back end of the game yeah I'm not alone how did you feel uh, each of you about the uh, the sort of kill room sections the uh, the Darklings or whatever they're called um, That this is uh, one of those odd things where they did it twice um, but then kind of moved away from it which is where the uh, to get through to to open up the next These section of the map. These are the shadow room things that you've got That's to finish it. to get mm-hmm. past the golems. Yeah, and they give you certain battle conditions that you have to meet so uh, some of them you have to uh, some of them you're constantly losing health, some of them you have to uh, keep, is it, you can only hurt them with combos yeah, or something. Like or over again. 
Yeah. yeah well, the thing yeah. is, I mean, those didn't bother me the first time through the game, but on successive playthroughs, it just kind of felt like a stumbling block because they work well as a tutorial yeah. for new stuff, you know, because, mm-hmm. as you said, you might only be able to kill them with counters. You might not even know you've got counters at that point. Um, or you can do air grabs and stay off the ground and stuff like that. Um, so, on a first playthrough, it was fine, but it really does feel like padding to a degree. Even th- mm-hmm. a tutorial would have been just as effective with a little barrier telling you that you can only kill one guy during a normal boss fight or something. Mm. Like that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. it's it's okay, but I think it could have been done a little bit more elegantly. Yeah, I, I think better game design folds it into the game as you're playing for it. That's, I mean, that's almost classic. You're going back to Zelda, that's classic Nintendo, which is teaching you something before you can progress. I think there's probably more elegant ways. I, I didn't dislike them because I didn't really follow them, but at the same time, it was like, oh, fairly obvious. I've seen this in many other games before. So uh, the dungeons, then any uh, any highlights from each of you as regards to uh, you know the the items or the puzzles that you get? I'm not sure about highlights, but generally I felt they were all very well done. Like I enjoyed all the dungeons in this game. None of the puzzles were so obtuse that they were impossible to figure out, or you needed a walkthrough, or you would be there for hours looking in corners. Um, there were actually a number of fairly clever ones. Like the first time you've got a set of a chain reaction to blow up one of the, like the little red uh, spiky bits, flower bombs. Yeah. 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 Like um, just stuff like that was kind of cool, you know. I mean, it it's it pushes your mind just far enough that it's interesting without yeah. frustrating you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of and there's a lot of sort of puzzle ideas that you expect. To, they're they're so cool that you expect to see them again, like that um, chaining bombs. But really, you only ever see it sort of one more maybe one more time in the game similarly um in the 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 portal dungeon uh where you get the uh what's it called the something walker uh the void walker void walker that's mm-hmm. it uh the portal gun um you, there's one puzzle where you have to uh f- move some water by pouring it into a portal and out of another and uh and i just thought yeah that's cool yeah and then valve stole it for portal too um yeah <laughs> i think yeah maybe um but yeah again um i think i did um, i think i did look up a a walk through for the final one of the sections of the final uh dungeon Death Throne, yeah yeah the black throne, the black throne um yeah. but yeah generally progress again as as with most of the game was fairly smooth and it and it was generally a case of 
yeah, sometimes you'd have to kind of look around the room and think, what the hell am I actually doing here? But yeah, you yeah. know, lots of, again, intelligent use of camera. The to- one bit that I did have to look around in was the, it's like a flooded um, section of the train station. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, the only reason that I got stuck there for any length of time was because you've got to dive down and then come up and there's an air pocket and you can just climb out. The first time I That's went down, right, I yeah. thought it was just a, a sealed off tunnel. Yes. So I yeah, know, I know exactly bit. that bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but generally it's got a lot of that good, almost subliminal signposting that you wouldn't, you know, you would, you maybe wouldn't uh, spot if you weren't, you know, as kind of experienced gamer. But it's kind of funneling you around, and so then it's got the more obvious things like the camera, which points to the bit that you're obviously trying to head to next and stuff. But if you only ever follow those uh, clues and never think about going off the beaten track, you'll miss a lot of secret items. Yeah, and Mark Hamill is quite poor about telling you what to do. Yeah, the Navi character, we haven't actually talked about um, Mark Hamill as the Watcher. Um, he does, he kind of sounds like the Joker, let's be honest. But, he sounds uh, very much like him. I mean, Exactly like him. Mark Hamill does actually have a good range, and um, and uh, I think it's just, yeah, one of those things. He's, he, he, he doesn't sound exactly like him, but he sounds a lot like him. But yeah, holding down select to bring up the Watcher, um, nah, not a lot of use. He says it just stuff like... You. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, generally it's like, yeah, we really need to get out of this dungeon and go and kill that boss. Like, no shit, yeah. Uh, yeah. And now I'm stuck. How do I get out yeah. of here? I notice there are a couple of rooms that obviously the designers lost a bit of confidence in because the watcher will just appear without you asking him and say, <laughs> over here, over here, in a sort of Navi I, style. I, as much as, we, you know, the enemy designs aren't anything spectacular, I, I think they've done a really good job of the world. Um, the world is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's... A, apocalyptic but um in in the sense that i like the fact that it's still based in some sort of reality of earth like um certainly in in the opening sections of the game so there's like the, the scolding gallows or something like that um which is you know clearly just a, a metropolitan city that's kind of been broken down and there's you know there's big crevices that have been torn out you, know, you can see there's been this this huge battle that's that's taken place so it's, uh, is it 100 years after it's the 100 years after the apocalypse and the yeah. demons and angels have kind of come in and taken things over yeah yeah to destroy her is mm. destroyed he's lived up to his namesake but um so i, I like that the the foundation of this is set in some sort of reality with the over the over maybe the over the top kind of mythical nature of it as well our reality at that Yes, that's true. Yeah, um, and yeah, you got angels and stuff, which are, I, you know, character designs. I think the angels look spectacular. They do look cool. But so, so the, that's the 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 start of the game is very much based within reality of where we are. Um, there's stuff like the Twilight Cathedral, which you know, it's got a big kind of puzzle segment in it, and clearly it's kind of based within this big cathedral area. So, like, I like the basis of that. I think it goes slightly not off the rails. I think you know it. It feels quite samey throughout a big chunk of the game within that world. But eventually you get to a place called the Ashlands, which opens up and you, you have the ability of your horse, or I want to say opponent. But I was going to say one of the games that I've completely forgotten that it borrows huge chunks from is uh, Shadow of the Colossus. As yeah. well. uh, there's there's at least two bosses which very much ape uh, elements of that game. But again, not a bad thing to be yeah. Resident Evil 1, you've got to shove a statue off a ledge. Yeah, but my favourite, my absolute standout level has to be um, Iron Canopy, which is the the layer of the spiders. Syphilis. Um, syphilis. 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 Who's this 
well, it's basically Lord of the Rings, let's face it. Um, it's Shelob type yeah, thing. Shelob, yeah. very angry spider. There's some and very has... Zelda-esque puzzles in the particularly mm-hmm. Zelda-esque uh, sort of, um, yeah, design of, of rooms and stuff. But in, it's creepy, and you have to cut open cobwebs to move, progress from other areas. There's lots they grow of... back instantly. Yeah, they do. But there's lots of uh, little minions of spiders which are just more annoying than anything but you know fun to squish and i think the puzzle design in that one is actually really good because isn't that the point you get the the abysmal chain which is better than abysmal it wasn't that bad <laughs> it's where you, yeah, yeah, where you can yank the carapace off of uh, of spiders yeah which is is definitely yes. fun, yeah. Yeah. but uh, you also can then traverse the the environments a lot easier so where you would have to go from a to b to c to to get to a wall that you could climb on you can now just fire the chain at the wall and just glide directly to yeah, it yeah it took me a while i didn't actually i know it's obvious because i you know i've played virtually all the zelda games so i should have worked this out but did it actually say that you can use um, the uh hook shot as it were to hook into the fleshy walls because for a while i was still sort of clambering about and then i was like hang on a minute i think it just comes up as a target that's yeah how you... but i didn't have it equipped at that point so, but um yeah. yeah i mean it's got some it, i think it's that to me was the best boss fight she's a, an evil evil mistress and um yeah. it's there's just just lots of like the the traversing of the environments are really fun. I think the look of that is really fun. That's to me is the highlight of that that whole game is within that area. Then followed by um, the Black Throne area, which I just I, I I hate is a strong word, but it just didn't gel with me at all. Hmm. A lot of people don't like that particular dungeon. It's um, it's too long. It's yeah, a lot of people say it's too long. It's a little bit too obscure. Um, I think I possibly got lucky. Because I quite enjoyed it. I think I maybe lucked out in some of the solutions faster than a lot of other people, just through blind luck or random encounter. It's not or even genius, the... Darren. <laughs> it's yes, not even the solutions. That's, that's what I was getting at. Because because what you get you you essentially get the portal gun, um, and a lot of the puzzles revolve around you either you know moving things through the portals, so big heavy thrones, which all there's that whole um, kind of like weight like scale weight thing where you need yeah those are those are kind of finicky i think my my feeling was that just i mean we're not going deeply into the plot in this particular game um you're trying to free azrael who's uh not your enemy at this point um from a central room and there are three kind of sub dungeons off and you're trying to guide a power source beam of light back to the center to Mm -hmm. help unlock Azrael. My feeling was that they should have condensed all the best puzzles from those three into two and just made it uh, a left and a right rather than a left, right and a center. And that would have, I think that because I think there are some spectacularly clever puzzles in there. um, But I think that they're spread too thin. You, You have to do a lot of combat between sorting some of those puzzles and yeah. this is the point for me where the, the combat started to break because yeah, I, I wanted to get on the puzzles because the puzzles were quite complex and the combat seemed to be at this point just getting in the way and you know it, it was stuff I'd done so are you guys actually enjoying the, the puzzle solving parts and the black throne or not? <laughs> It's it's not bad. I like the beam of light. I've always liked puzzles where it revolves around beams of light, and you have to guide it through rooms. I don't Again, know why. we've 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 seen these before in, yeah. in Zelda and God of War, but um, Resident Evil Five. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that, that was awful in Resident Evil <laughs> yeah, Five. That wasn't Kill so your friend. But um, uh, but the the portal gun added uh, a new a, a twist. So it wasn't just about rotating mirrors, although that comes into it. Uh, Felt a little bit out of context for whatever reason for me in a world of angels and demons but I, I, aesthetically I don't think it was any, I mean it's 
the black throne. So yeah, it's it's not going to be anything you know colourful. But you've gone from quite a colourful palette to the 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 spider web area, which is good, and the ashlands. To me, this just felt really. It felt very much like a puzzle designed area. Uh, and that's where the focus went on. And I just found aesthetically to be quite boring. Um, I, I like the aesthetic fine enough, but I think it was very similar throughout many of the rooms. The visual highlight to it was actually going outside. Yeah, when you were there, you know. Mm. Like, I actually think it more interesting than the Ashlands. But um, ah, same here. Yeah, again, that's, that's a subjective consideration. And I liked the, um, I did like the three sub-bosses, the Guardians, um, and the fact that you, although they, they were the same, it was the same fundamental uh fight to mm-hmm. beat them they changed things up slightly it was actually funny in the black throne that actually the third tower you go up is really quick it doesn't take long to do at all so one mm. two is actually quite long but the third one's like okay here we go <laughs> just just get through it just get i think the, the real trick to that puzzle and this is the first kind of actual spoiler we'll give this is a puzzle spoiler is uh when you realize that you have to do something that you can't do in portal which is fire a portal through a portal mm. yes it's very clever you know it's a clever answer um it's a clever problem poser and the only clue to it is uh because the watcher is fuck all help is the fact that when you're looking through a portal and you can see another portal receptor we should say that in this the void walker does not allow you to fire portals on any surface or almost any surface as portal does um you can only fire it at certain uh receivers uh is you're you're looking through a portal at a at a portal mm-hmm. receiver and the target thing lights up. Um, another sort of interesting aspect to the portals in this is that where uh, famously speedy thing goes in, speedy thing comes out in portal. In this, you can actually give yourself a speed boost by charging up your portal and giving you can turn it into speedy portal. So even if you're just um, walking into a, a wall in front of you you can still get fired out of the portal that's on the floor up to a higher platform by ah. making it a charged up portal <laughs> that's how that worked <laughs> oh, did you not surely you had to have worked that out to finish I, the game. I think i was just uh charging out the portal all the time because it looked cool oh okay <laughs> so i was just firing out everything really fast but uh, yeah you, uh, if you don't hold the button down you just get a regular size uh that's normal. boring <laughs> well yeah it, there's probably no reason to not use a charged up portal in that case but yeah Cool idea. Um, bosses, then. Yeah. Um, this this is uh, probably one of the only um, action-adventure games that I can remember, other than Zelda games, where the bosses were actually uh, something to enjoy rather than something to dread. <laughs> maybe but also Bayonetta, maybe. Puzzles, a, you know? Maybe another one. Yes, exactly. A lot exactly. of it is actually figuring out how to kill them, and exactly. you've been trained throughout the dungeon up until this point. Mm-hmm. It's it's in very much in the Zelda style. One of the main differences about the bosses in this, though, unlike virtually every Zelda boss ever, is that in, in Zelda, there's nearly always a, a way to regain health during a boss fight. So it might be difficult, but there's normally a way, there's normally it will drop something that you'll be able to kill for health. I actually had to kill Tiamat with about a quarter a bar of health, because it saves yeah. it right before you get to him. That's right. Yeah, um, and if you if you go to checkpoint, um, you don't necessarily. This this game also has uh, empty vessels or bottles, as you might know them from Zelda. Really expensive, which are health. really expensive to fill with health. Um, I spent most of the second half of the game um, rather than buying new skills and and uh, 
RAF commands, um, just filling up my six or seven bottles with life essence, just because I knew that would guarantee that I'd get through the level better than buying some combat technique that I'd probably never use for the for the uh, one of the extra weapons that you can buy, which we'll talk about as well. Uh, my my trick was to save. It was clear. You, it was always very obvious where the boss room is. If you save, then it's going to be a hard on save. The screen gives it what what is really annoying actually in this is that if you die on the boss, then it only fills up half your health. So if you went in there with yeah. say seven That's exactly it. seven capsules, uh, well, I think I should have picked a bit more even number. So you went in there with eight capsules. When mm. you restarted the boss, you get four, and you'd be like, huh. So if you made a hard yeah. save. Voila, you re go back to your hard save. You've got eight again. You can try again yeah, rather than wasting uh, money on just you know, refilling capsules. But, you know. Yeah, you can save and load at any time in this, but you'll be plonked back to the start of whichever area you were in. Uh, it's worth saying as well. But yeah, um, I have actual. I had actual fun fighting mm. bosses, which is so, so rare in a game, and all credit to the designers for that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of games make the mistake of just giving their bosses insane amounts of health and it just becomes a slog yeah again this very much takes the the again this is something where you know it's all very well saying well you know games are derivative but this very specifically takes a zelda thing which is that you you do a thing with the item you have recently acquired to get the boss into a vulnerable position and then you hack away at it a few times and on the third time of hacking away at it maybe the fourth <laughs> Always it, free. it will die and that is pretty much guaranteed depending on how and much across you each across each uh, dungeon that you progress through specifically relies on that one item as well so yeah, exactly, although yeah. you have the items or you've used that item you won't necessarily use it again in another dungeon because by that point you're already focusing stack a on a different skill it's very very rare I, I mean I think the the bomb plant uh, that seems very Zelda like um, which is a, a plant that's a bomb and sometimes they're on fire and sometimes you need to light them via hitting candles with your um, spinny thing it's <laughs> <laughs> a cross blade I think that's what they called it yeah. um, so is it is it a is it the fear mat? Is that fear her name? Fear mm. um, Who's this big winged batty uh, woman? Uh, at, but yeah, well, batty and bat woman. Um, and you have to throw the, the the flaming bombs at her to bring her down. Or you need to hit that with your crossblade as well. While she's up in the sky, while she's down, then you start pummeling with your sword. Then she does these the, the typical boss routine, which is does the routine where she will fly across the environment yeah, dragging her feet and that, the that dodge moment and is almost exactly talking about uh, things it's uh, borrowing from that is uh, Ripley from Metroid Prime that, mm-hmm. that fight <laughs> uh, yeah and then repeat three times and yeah. yeah yeah conveniently she of course goes you have to yeah throw the crossblade through the fire to spark the bomb conveniently she mm-hmm. she hovers in right behind it but uh, but yeah again it's um, I think you know the difficulty of them I, again I played on normal um, which probably made it a bit easier. I don't know how much, but um, the difficulty felt nicely balanced. I didn't feel like I was going to get stuck for hours on any of them. Um, pattern, you know, they they telegraph the patterns just enough so you don't feel like you're being insulted, but equally you don't feel like you're yeah. you're being lied to. No, lock on works fantastic. They said that the the spider, yeah, Syphila, um she's weird because you you need to hook onto her um, with your chain onto her face. Smack, hit the face, drop back down, and then she does this. What she dec- describe as pummeling from the air attack, mm. which is just devastating if you get caught by it. Yeah, um, and you find yourself dashing around all over the place in, in desperate. That's I, I had a little bit of difficulty on that one, but um, 
they are really well balanced, even on abysmal. Like you know, I, I had I was collecting stuff. Apocalyptic. Yes. Apocalyptic. I was collecting um, stuff along the way, so my health was pretty high. But a couple of times I did completely run out and had to redo boss fights, which is quite annoying when you've only got one more hit maybe left in. What were the other? Remind me of the other bosses. There was one in a. The Griever. Yeah. Ah, the Griever. Yes. Who yes. you chased for quite a while before you actually get the fighter for real? Oh yeah, the Griever uh, keeps giving you the slip. Yeah, um, and that one you need oh, to kick a train at him. That's right. I was going to say yeah. there's definitely one. One of the one of the items you get, and presumably it's in that dungeon. I can't quite remember. Is the big punchy glove? What's it called? The tremor tremor gauntlet. 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 The tremor gauntlet. Yeah, um, which again you can actually uh, turn into a, a combat weapon for regular fights. But I didn't, to be honest, I didn't find it particularly useful for that. Um, Powered up, it is pretty devastating. Right, but um, you can also use it to, instead of just dragging stuff around in the traditional style, you can punch stuff around, mm-hmm. and there's some pretty cool puzzles involving turntables and train carriages and stuff. Um, but yes, the boss in here, you actually punch a train at her, which is... That's you know, awesome. That's fun. <laughs> that's definitely fun. Yeah. Uh, you got the the worm? Yeah, the Shadow of the Colossus worm. Uh, yeah, so one of the and things the about after you've uh, acquired your horse, is it Fury... It's ruin. Ruin. Ruins ruins your horse. Ruins your horse. Um yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> That's the punchline to an old joke. Uh you uh you are much more powerful when you are on the back of ruin. Um there's some quite cool uh all very brief again moments to almost throw away where where you fight some other horseback riders, um and uh, the control of your horse is pretty cool. And you do about five times as much damage when you're hacking with your sword from a horse as as you do on the ground. So that's a good incentive. You can call your horse. It's nice actually seeing enemies that you've fought before and then you're just absolutely destroying them from miles back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, You can call your horse, unlike in uh, Ocarina, where you have to play a tune and wait for it to gallop over the horizon. Or even in Red Dead Redemption, where you have to give it a shout. It actually, yeah, it just comes up from the ground. And if you're running, it doesn't just appear next to you. It it actually matches your speed and comes up underneath you, which, again, very cool. Um, Great effect. You can jump from high places and land directly on it, which is cool. Oh, yeah. Yes, that is super. And also, all places, jump off your horse and get to high up ledges as well. Yes, yeah. Which is kind of cool. Few, I think there might be a couple of secrets to do with that yeah. in the desert. Um, yes, so that boss the, is a big worm, very Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, you have to get up alongside it, hack its protective mask off, and uh, and then uh, you're running away from it again. And this is somewhere. This is something where this this pr- probably actually controls better than the the equivalents in Shadow of the Colossus. You know, as amazing as that game is, um, this actually is not you know even though you're facing the wrong way and you're shooting backwards over your shoulder with your uh your gun which is another one of the weapons mercy mercy your your big fat ulthane gun uh it it controls really well and it's it you don't sort of find yourself getting stuck on scenery or you know bumping into things that you can't see it seems to be again they seem to have there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors going on to so it doesn't screw you you kind of feel you you feel where the canyon is that you're not going to go run off the edge or smash mm. into a wall. It's mm. somehow the, the cameras pull back enough for you to get a general feel of what's going on around you. It's well designed, especially when you can think of how many other games in a similar situation have frustrated you. I mean, yeah, totally. You got what Uncharted Two boss fight. You got Crash Bandicoot, for example. <laughs> yeah. All all incredibly annoying. Running away, running away from the uh, from the uh, running into the screen, I should say, is 
seldom something that's well done because it's completely it's it's in in many ways it's a stupid thing to ask the player to do but yeah if you do it well it can be fun because it does you know that that boss fight I was uh, that was a bit I was playing when when Jay was round and he was saying it, you know it did look you know pretty epic one thing I would say about that section actually is on the I don't know if I, I just hit bad luck, but generally, um, having played both versions and also I've read up about it, although the, initially the 360 version did suffer from uh, bad tearing, they did patch that. Um, but subsequently, in, as is in the traditional fashion, these uh, with a lot of versions, the PS3 version has a lower frame rate overall than the um, the 360 version, uh, and in that fight, it actually plummeted to something quite. Uh, jerky looking however uh and this is true on darksiders 2 as well both uh ps3 versions have high res textures i guess just because they're on blu-ray disc than the 360 version so <laughs> if you have the choice you have high res textures or better frame rate um or the pc, the version. PC one yeah, yeah whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah. it just i, I mean I'd, I'd like to say i played a couple of hours of pc one and it, it did you know it's a higher resolution and it looks yeah, better course, for yeah. that um, and going to the 361 there was definitely a drop in both frame rate and uh you know resolution and color yeah but it just it just felt like it was a console game and you know some things i really enjoy you know some console games work really well on the pc but it just felt like i, I wanted to be playing this on the 360 you know sat on my my couch downstairs rather than you know playing 20 hours of, of this on the pc screen does this game not give you a pc spot for the initial dark siders uh 360 bad yeah it does yeah all that stuff works fine I know that there's been some criticism of, of the sequel for it being a, a fairly lazy um, PC port. Um, well, that just means that they don't have 50,000 options to play with. Yeah, that's. I, I think uh, I think I read something there, maybe some talk about patching in um, proper yeah. um, graphical sliders anyway. But uh, yes, I, I'm sure you will get the best performance if you have the right machine. But um, yeah, both, both console versions are fine. And yeah, the... I was pleasantly surprised when when replaying it on PS3 that although the frame rate is ever or the frame it it drops frames so, sometimes rather than mm-hmm. the frame rate is overall lower, but the high res textures do actually look quite a lot nicer. Um, the flesh walls and stuff, particularly the environments on the PS3, do look remarkably uh, sort of. It, it looks a bit more current gen than the 360 version, which looks a, a little bit rough. But uh, you know, again, swings and roundabouts really. So, so we've pretty much avoided too much talk of the story I mean, is that just because it it's it didn't really gel of us at all or just because it's it's not i great? think the story's fine i think it's just the way we, that we approach the podcast can uh, organically skip the story you know i know but you know it's we still got some time to to go over it so to, I mean, for me it's it was a nice placeholder for the, for the stuff going on the screen but i didn't mm. i didn't really feel overly engaged with the stuff at times i felt a little confused of of actually what was going on there are some awesome moments in a story and a lot of fairly cookie cutter go to point b to pick up MacGuffin a well yeah you know it's it's it does the job fine as far as I was concerned. Yeah, and they they got a really good voice cast in so although for me some of the the voice acting is a little um the the, the kind of nature of the whole thing is comic booky cartoony um and a little bit ott i think because the voice cast are such a, a, a you know a, a well-established competent bunch mm-hmm. i think they just about carry it off i think like the child counselor are a bit shit um, they always, as, as a desi- any council is a bit as, shit. A, as, a, <laughs> as a design and as a you know the sort of big stone fiery faces with the deep voices and 
you know. I like but, I like wars. No, it's, I mean, that's a deal. Are, are those not just like avatars though? Like you'll probably end up fighting. Uh, maybe, maybe. But um, as they are depicted in this game, just you know that that sort of that particular voice treatment that they do on demons in virtually every video game, yeah, it's so it's been done. booming, yeah, mm-hmm. the booming stuff, the extra bottom end, and and I understand that the voice actors go in and they chew up the scenery and and they have a great time doing it. But you know, I'm 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 forty years old and it sometimes it feels a bit childish that sort of stuff to me. But that's probably because I'm old. I mean, it's it's easy to sort of look down or you know ignore the story of something like Darksiders. Um, the the story is definitely there. It plays a backseat to the action, the progression of the dungeons, um, the puzzles and such. But it's by no means you know poor. There are, there are many games that have worse stories. Sure. It, it it does feature some nice stuff. Sure, it you know it lends on the the Hebrew mythology sort of very tenuously and. And it includes some some interesting things, you know, that um, obviously your watcher has the ability to kill you at any time, so you always feel like you have to progress for that reason in the story, but there are times when you speak out against him because there are greater laws overall. You speak out against him because you're fucking war, man. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, when you're as close to a god as it can be, you might as well be pretty badass with it. Um you know, and, and there are occasions where he will speak out because he's often described as a dog on a leash uh, by this puny little sneaky snake of a of a watcher, which is Mark Hamill. Um, the card are not the actual Mark Hamill human being. <laughs> that would have been cool. No, he's a very, not, he's a very not, cool. Not guy, that we know of. <laughs> yeah, but by, by all accounts, say he's it, a, a smashing guy. A, a little bit more depth in his character, having that argument between the two. Yeah, I mean, I think War as a Card was actually really kind of decent, you know. Just hmm. it doesn't have that much depth to him, but no, it does have this kind of stereotypical, you know, do the right thing, don't take no shit, which I kind of appreciated, you know. Like, yeah, um, I mean, at least it makes sense. Um, whereas a lot of characters in games who have this sort of personality in inverted commas, you kind of think you're not a real person. This isn't yeah, a real person. This is a a, a horseman of the apocalypse who was created as a kind of um, secure, basically their kind of intergalactic security or something, or interdimensional security, aren't they? That, that's it. They are, to all intents and purposes, the law of balance between good and evil, and it, it was done quite well. Um, he is an avatar for war, so he doesn't have a personality. He is just a very angry person. But it makes me think that I preferred his character to something like um, Go on, say it. Kratos. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? No. Blimey. I, d- I uh, do. <laughs> call, call from Infamous, or oh, yeah. uh, that that douchebag from Prototype, yeah. where yeah. again you also which, walk. Which Prototype? They were both assholes. Yeah, uh, the Pick asshole one. who yeah. is an asshole in the first the one, from, and an asshole in the and second. The guy from Deus Ex Human, Deus Ex Human Revolution, but, and every character who's in a game who just talks like that and has no personality. Yeah. And uh, they they're also characters where you you. Again, in Infamous, it's that balance. In Prototype, it's that balance. Are you good? Are you bad? But for the sake of it, you're just a cock. In Darksiders, again, you walk that middle, but you have a purpose. Mm. And you realise that you have every right to be good or bad. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, we, we brought up God of War, you know, we did the God of War show, you know, talking about Kratos and his character and, you know, 
good God, he's angry, and he seems overly angry by the time you get to God of War three. Um, and I think there was there, you know, God of War one. I, I remember that there was a reason. Now his family have been killed. You know, what do you expect the guy to do? Yeah, why is he going to be that angry in the forthcoming uh, origins of God of War? Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I just think that you know they lost direction with how angry Kratos got because you end up you know despising the character himself, and maybe that was the idea. I, I think they've done a really good job with War straddling that middle line, and I think some of that is the comic book nature of it. That you know the enemies that you kill, I have no real feelings for any of the enemies I killed because they're weird demony types guys but they um, all talk like that yeah so they, they kind of you know even though i'm bursting, bursting heads i just you know they, i didn't feel like oh my god well, I yeah, we do know that if we ever make contact with demons this podcast will probably become racist <laughs> mm. um so i don't know there's there was a level of distance between um you know me and that character me and war that i was like okay i i kind of i can see why he does this i mean god, good god he is war himself so why do you expect um liam o'brien is the, is the voice actor he's a he's a, an english no he's an american dude but doing a sort of english accent he's fantastic Quite he well. was also grimoire weiss and near and that was also a fantastic performance and asura in asura's wrath which we are doing in the future mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah he's in he's another one who's in Every game Another ever, angry man. like virtually every, yeah, Saints Row the Third, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 3, <clears throat> Binary Domain, Spec Ops The Line, Uncharted 3, blah, 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 so on, so on, so on, so on, so on. Very busy man, but a starring role here. <laughs> Next up, Troy Baker. Uh, Troy Baker, okay, yes, so, uh, well, yeah, Troy Baker, Moon Bloodgood in this, uh, doing, as I say, I think Phil Lamar is the standout for me, I think Volgrim's probably my favourite character, I know James... Uh, Carter of this podcast is also a fan uh, I like the fact that he's so cringingly um, yeah I used the word obsequious earlier but I think it's the right one um, he does have a snakeish kind of feel to him yeah he's, occa- he's occasionally but yeah yeah he, he only wants you to, to be alive and he's only buttering you up because he wants delicious souls and there's that bit right at the start where you first <laughs> feed him with souls and he says you know there were some young ones in there spectacular mm. uh which is you know it's good it's a little bit a little bit on the nasty side um a little resident bit, evil for basically a little bit of texture yeah but yes a good cast and um yeah and just kind of a yeah for me not certainly not no classic um but uh yeah, you know, there's there's some good stories in that Bible. So. <laughs> yeah, the the bet where the world ends. Mm. I like the fact that when they they were talking about the the early development in this game, how they they drawn upon you know the the four you know the four horsemen of the apocalypse and how they foresee foresaw this as a four player kind of co op game. <laughs> yeah, but clearly, like you know, they were a new development studio and that was going to be too much to, to bite off so mm. that changed um how originally as well it was going to be more of a, a kind of cartoony look less violent um and that changed as well you know it's a bit more in development and it's, i think a lot of the why this game controls so well is it was in development for around four years mm. which obviously gave it a little bit more time for them to get the the mechanics down just right um the dodge move in particular so, I, you know, that always helps, I think, a little bit of extra more development time. Not 16 years or anything like that, but four years, I think, is a good time for a company to, to get that on the ground. And there, I mean, Visual Games were a brand new formed company. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's a very um, competent debut mm. effort, really, uh, even if, you know, depending on how you feel about the derivative nature of it. A lot of people uh, wrap things off and development through and make a shit version of it. You know, the fact that these guys got it right 
is, more often than not, I would say. Exactly, that is yeah. the case. The fact that the guy's got it right off the bat is quite laudable, I think. Have we got anything more anyone's got like written down that they want to cover before we go into summaries and stuff? Except for maybe the, you know, the fact that they did release it single player and the sales were without a doubt impacted by Bayonetta because it was the one game Sega decided to pub, like advertise in the last like sleeping five dogs. years. <laughs> At the same time, the Dark Souls did sell fairly well, you know. It did in the uh, end, yeah. It did do well, and it, 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 I remember it shipped with a big, even in the UK, it shipped with a big sticker that said, Play US Magazine 10 out it of 10. It did, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think... I mean, uh, Bayonetta was, r- and then they sold probably roughly the same, did they not? Yeah. Probably. Bayonetta definitely had the big surge to begin with, though. Yeah, I think um, immediately. Darksiders is way more appealing to uh, the you know your average man in the street than Bayonetta, regardless of the sex appeal or whatever of Bayonetta, but <laughs> the actual, like... The fact that, like, because for me, the monster designs in Bayonetta are unparalleled in how awesome they are, whereas in this, they're a bit lame. But to a lot of people, all those kind yeah. of weird upside-down heads and, and weird shit. I don't like them too much myself. Yeah, because you're a, you're a man in the street. <laughs> Common man in yeah, the street. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think this this is the real sort of... I'm just a peasant. Maybe of the whole generation, the almost word-of-mouth game that no one was talking about at launch, but... It seems like nearly everyone seems to have played it by now. Yeah, and and, say, and no one's really negative about it. the Domain seems to be the most recent one that's loving on uh, Modern Mouth. Yeah, there's, there's oh, been definitely. quite a few this year. I think Sleeping Dogs is having that to a point, although yeah, it seems to be doing quite well yeah, anyway. But, uh, but I mean, this is, this is two and a half years. Well, like I say, you know, I think this is the ultimate back catalogue title. I think a lot of people have picked this up because you know it's been in the sales all over the place, and it's got. A, I, I love the cover uh, design of this as well. I love the fucking title screen. The, the art on the title yeah, screen, yeah, pretty cool. It, it's the way it goes on. It's but stylish. If you're anything like me, I think you you hear that it's I'm around. I'm exactly you like know, you, man. You are. Well, do you, if you are just like me, when you hear it's around seventeen to twenty-two hours, you think ah, maybe something else. Yeah, because I, I think I, that's the reason people it ends complain up. at twelve hours games, and they go oh, twelve hours. That's a bit too short. Then someone releases a sixteen hour game, and they go oh, that's too long. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where is the sweet spot? But then you know, Skyrim did gangbusters, and that's a hundred and something. Just hours as long. good as it is. If the game is good enough to like uh, support that length, it's different that's... for different games, isn't it? There's no, yeah. there's no hard and fast rule. I, 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 I think this took me eighteen hours. Obviously, I was playing on normal, and uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get bored. In fact, I started playing it again on. Apocalyptic. So. Yeah, I, I actually completed it through on a difficulty and did uh, completed it a full second mm. time. Obviously, I, I you know I almost certainly won't have time to continue playing it on Apocalyptic because of the schedule of the podcast and just general life. But and you'd be more inclined to play Darksiders two than yeah, play Darksiders exactly. one again. Or, or I'm sure. Any number of other things on my <laughs> on my backlog. But, yes. Yeah. But the fact that I even you know entertain the idea of actually starting it again you know some of the other games that we've covered on this show th- that i didn't enjoy i certainly wouldn't have done that mm-hmm. um my next seven games are rpgs that's going to be a bastard <laughs> god yeah uh yeah that's a whole nother conversation um so the uh the three word reviews from twitter fury ac3 always reliable he says art of war Derivative Badass Link. White Spider Zero beats recent Zeldas. Sky Potter says, Massive fucking sword. 
Yeah, that was one thing we didn't talk about, actually, that I was going to, which is the sort of final quest, which, again, Eden, is almost yeah. a nod to one of the things about Zelda that people don't like, which is the final quest to go all over the world and pick up the bits of the thing that you need to finish. It was short, Tingle, I will kill you, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, this game is lacking Tingle. Uh, but I actually took it as an opportunity to go back to all those places and do the Metroidvania type thing of mm. uh, going, oh, look, there's a massive ice wall there that I never, I've totally forgotten, and now I'm going to open it up. So and get a chest full of stuff, abysmal armor or something like that. And Richie Atwood is our final three word review. And he says best video game horse. Not sure about that, but it comes out the ground. I agree. It, and it's got flames from its hooves. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and the control of it's incredibly slick. The control's good. And you can't ride it off cliffs like you do in Red yeah, Dead. Yeah, I'm still going to say my favorite <laughs> game horse and is And the goddamn icon Dead's for Darksiders is Ruin's Face. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. But you can't shoot it in the back of the head. You can in Red Dead. No, you can't, you can't no, that, skin that's it. That's a down point, though. That's a negative point. <laughs> that's an awesome point when it happens. Oh, yeah. Unless you're strange. Okay, then. Our own uh, summings up of our Darksiders experience. Enjoy, not enjoy, recommend, not recommend, etc. Car Moon. I definitely recommend Darksiders. Uh, it, it can be picked up for £10 in a... It now comes in a bundle deal with Metro 2033. I don't particularly see much of a reference, but <laughs> at that price... T- t- or, THQ, you I, know, think if you, if, there. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. You want yes. money badly right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you picked it up in the PlayStation Plus sale... Oh, um, God, yeah. For the, for the price of £0, <laughs> mm. then... Uh, you know, definitely give it a shot. It's we've mentioned on it time and time again on this show that the the controls are incredibly tight. I mentioned that you know it's it's a game quite clearly made by fans of games, um, and it has that element where they wanted it right. So it was polished. It never felt bad. There are games that have done elements better, but there are a lot more games that have done those elements worse. Uh, We've referenced, I'm guessing, 20, 25 games that have influenced this game. Um, I'm pretty sure at least one of those games you will like. Uh, the you know it, it has a story. It's all single player, so it doesn't feel like it has a tacked on multiplayer for any reason. So it's incredibly focused on what it wants to achieve. Mm. Um, and at that price, you're really going to struggle to you know play a game in this genre. That's better by Bayonetta, um, and that, that is I arguably really put Dark Siders and Bayonetta genre there. They're not really alike in the slightest. It, they were advertised that way, but they are completely different games. A better comparison would be uh, Dante's Inferno, which was released. Dante's Inferno was released two or three weeks after this. Um, you'll get that for a similar price. Having also played both, this really. is a lot better. Oh, it is definitely very similar, Darren. Uh, not really, though. Until uh, open world kind of feel the dark sailors and the dungeon diving, all the extra little bits. It's, I don't think it f- plays very similar. Yeah, I think the reason that, that this is Dante's Inferno is a God of War uh, rip, it's, whereas it's this linear. this has a huge chunk of God of War in it, but is structurally more like a Zelda. This has this has much more, much many more strings to its bow. Than, than that game definitely mm. does um, and in any area that they are similar are we, ha- are we happy with that? in any area that they are similar this is better mm. seems fair enough 
Uh, Darren then. Well, I think a lot of what Carl said applies to me. I found Darksiders a very enjoyable experience from start to finish. It's dirt cheap now. You can pack it up for a tenner along with Metro 2033, which is also very good. Mm. And it's, as we said earlier, there's not really that many Zelda-type games that get copied, and especially not to this level of quality. There is, unless you simply don't like Zelda games, there's very little reason that you wouldn't enjoy this game. And, on top of that, I know several people that, like myself, have kind of grown bored with the general vibe that Zelda gives out, and still enjoy Darksiders. So yeah, um, definitely pick this up if you get the chance. It's a lengthy game. At the price you'll be paying for it, it's a bargain and a half. Do it. Uh, I'll go next. And um, yeah, so as I said earlier, the first time I tried to play this, I think I was actually, uh, you know, I, I am a big and remain a big Zelda fan, though, I, as I said, I haven't played Skyward Sword properly yet. Um, I do like the atmosphere of those games and prefer it. Personally, it's more appealing to me than the fiery demons and blah, blah, blah sort of stuff. Um, and I think it was a combination of that and the fact that it did it was so obviously derivative um, that put me off. I think the first dungeon, I didn't, I don't think... The, I mean, the first dungeon in these games is rarely the best dungeon. Um, and it's okay, but I was like, yeah. And it, it was easy enough for me to put it aside and uh, and indeed trade it in. But um, coming back and playing it for this show, getting it free on PSN Plus, such as it is, uh, obviously I had the motivation to continue on past that point, and, uh, and I'm glad I did. And I, I really warmed to it over the time I was playing it. Um, I still have the same reservations about the enemy design and the, the characters and the story, but it just about pulls it all together it, it it's likable it's not annoying um and it as as we've all said it very much favors a fun playing experience and the fact that it's a game where i actively enjoyed uh a number of puzzles a number of boss fights a number of um moments of discovery um yes there is a chest behind a waterfall uh Means why that, wouldn't there be? Why, well, there has to be, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, it's not an earth-shattering game. It's not It's not a game you must play. It's not an important game. But what it is, is a very well-made, um, albeit highly plagiaristic, but extremely entertaining romp of a game. Tony? Yeah, I think I probably echo your thoughts more than Darren and, and Cole's on this. How oh, dare you! Tough. That's that's the way it is, Darren. Um, Strap down I, your shirts and let's go to it. Bear chested. Uh, but I'm already bear chested. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think derivative is is quite a hard word word to throw at this game. I I think there's enough and about it. Quite accurate. Uh, yeah, it's strange. <laughs> they pretty yes, much you, admit you it. Are correct. I mean, you know, <laughs> but it, you know, it, if they're not shy about that it. word, that word gives the context that it, it has nothing particularly interesting of its own. And I think what it what it does, and it may be what a lot of people have been saying about Sleeping Dogs at the moment, is it takes a lot of concepts and it, it mashes them together and somehow makes a coherent um, game world of its own. Um, and I appreciated that. I I like. I did actually enjoy War as a character. And you know, if if given the choice, do I play this over a God of War title? I'm I'm not the greatest God of War fan. Everyone knows that. But so I'm going to pick the Dark Side as be- because I just I, the combat to me was more fun. I I think that's the the thing I enjoyed most about the game was the combat. Yet I can't help but feel that the game slightly outstayed its welcome. I think it it could have easily been five or six hours shorter 
and been a tighter experience and a more memorable experience for me. Um, I think maybe they try just one or two um, extra bits that maybe they didn't need to, one or two extra levels that maybe they didn't need to. And as it's their first title, I'm surprised they, they were even allowed to, to progress for that all that extra content, that it wasn't reined in a little bit more. Um, and I hear Darksiders 2 goes you know further beyond that point like there's there's a lot more kind of open world stuff um so but i agree with Leon. I, I i think it's it's a good game i don't think it's a classic game um but i'm definitely enjoyed uh, definitely happy i played it and i enjoyed my time with it i just i felt like it, it could have done with being a little bit shorter and uh the combat and maybe uh the story could have been wrapped up just you know five hours before i got slightly tired towards the end i like those five hours Good. You, you can you can have mine. <laughs> I'll take them. Sweet. Do you know what, gents? Although uh, listeners will have already had a chance to sample at least one piece, uh, we haven't even mentioned the soundtrack, or indeed the sound of the game, which is probably a slightly remiss of us. Um, my feeling was um, actually by default the the music is the OST is kind of a bit low in the mix, and it actually, uh, at least on my you know particular setup, um, five point one. Um, I found that I needed to go into the in-game options and turn the music up to actually make it feel like it was even there. It was almost apologetic. Uh, when I turned it up, it actually I was actually oh, yeah, this is this is okay. It's it's kind of like everything else. It's a bit. It's very well done, but it is a bit generic. Um, some actual riffs sound almost exactly like bits of Gods of War, uh, God of War, and there are little bit. There are obviously very specific nods to uh, Zelda in terms of the chimes and stuff. But the apart, well, we talked about the voices, obviously, but the actual um, combat noises and stuff are fine, and they do sell the uh, the the, mm. the blade hitting the flesh Impact. and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, any further thoughts about the music before we? Same as you, I didn't have it up for a start. I didn't have the volume, uh, the BGM volume up as high as I should have. Mm. And that continued throughout the entire game. I can't remember the soundtrack. <laughs> there you go. It just basically wasn't I think that is, the, that is the biggest damnation of that whole soundtrack, is once it's over, it's gone. It's it, funny, do, isn't it? Don't recall like, it. It does nothing wrong, but it's completely unmemorable. It seems terribly... There are three composers credited for the game. Um, there's lots of choirs and strings, and it sounds quite high production and I'm stuff. I'm sure but it's wonderfully ambient while they're playing it, but it's got no punch that would make you recall it. You'd miss it if it game. wasn't there, maybe. There's a piece that sounds directly ripped out of Lord of the Rings as well. Oh, is there? Okay. Yes, mm. yes, in the Iron Canopy, oh, okay. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The Lord of the Rings level. Okay, <laughs> right. Um, but yes, hopefully somebody's... <laughs> of course, no one will have bought the completely unmemorable Darksiders soundtrack, so maybe there won't be any bits of <laughs> music from the game interspersed in this podcast. Well, good luck oh, with well, that. They've definitely redeemed themselves for the sequel, where they got and Jasper Kidd to do it, and by all ah. accounts, it is superb. Oh, okay. Hmm. Rounding up. You can, of course, play along with the Cane and Rinse podcast. Our future featured games include the epic conclusion to our 25th anniversary Metal Gear series, Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots, next week with special guest Paul Rooney. Borderlands, uh, after that, to conclude Volume 1 of the podcast. Then we'll be back with Volume 2, starting with Mirror's Edge, then Half-Life, Asura's Wrath, Cast of Illusion, Quackshot, World of Illusion, that's one show, Syndicate, the 2012 version, Half-Life 2, Cave Story, Binary Domain, Pac-Man Championship, Pac-Man Championship Edition DX, with special guest Sinan Kuba of Joystick, 
never get tired of saying that. Half-Life <laughs> 2, Episodes 1 and 2, Shenmue's 1 and 2, and then penciled in but not confirmed for January or thereabouts, we have uh, Apple Jacks 1 and 2 and Papo and Yo. Merry Christmas, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Happy New Year. The month-by-month schedule can be found on the blog. The blog can be found at caneandrince.com. Uh, there you can find links to the Quick Rinse videos, which can also be found on our YouTube channel. You can follow us on Twitter, which is at Kane and Rinse. Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash Kane and Rinse. And you can email us as at Kane and Rinse or email us at Kane and Rinse at gmail.com. Too many ats in there. Too many ats. Too many abysmals. Mm. Your support for the show via your iTunes subscriptions, reviews and ratings is massively appreciated. As we always say. A slight change from the usual. Here at the end, uh, we have now decided to forge our own path in the grand internet universe. Uh, we have our own forum. Join us at our forum. Make yourselves comfortable. Gather round by the gaming fire at com slash forum. We are no longer a member of the Character Select Network, uh, but we would like to thank Dan and Chums at ReadyUp and Console Arcade for having us as part of that, inviting us when we were not even a thing to join mm-hmm. in the Character Select Forum. Um, sight unseen and unheard uh, and had us there, but we feel it's now the right time to have our own little place, have our own little love shack. And Jay has done a marvellous job again because the forum looks... Well, I, yeah, I think it's always hard to make forums look nice, mm. but somehow he's managed to make the forum look just as good as the website. Yeah, and it all ties in stylistically, which obviously mm. the, the character select forum didn't before just by its very nature. Um, and also Carl here is going to be doing some bits and bobs using his gra- graphical design skills to make the place e- look even cooler. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. So please do sign up. Uh, apologies if you have already signed up for the character select forum. I assume I don't know what's happening with that. I assume it's still there. Um, but... If you do want to come and join in with Kane and Rince pre- and post-podcast discussion, you'll need to re-sign up with our new uh, forum. And it's the best place to find us during the week. So. Yeah. So it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony Atkins, Darren Foreman and Carl Moon. And we will return with the no doubt completely insane Metal Gear Solid 4 Bonanza... Uh- five-hour epic (laughs) i don't know uh we probably shouldn't um we'll we'll see if we can keep it to a mere three like the others but i think i think any less than that is is, let's let's face it it's not going to happen so yeah we'll see you then and here's some uh i feel really bad now because we've been so nice about this here's some completely unmemorable music um here's a but you might enjoy this one yeah here's an epic here's an epic piece of symphonic choral wonderment Basically, we're going to be playing this out with Europe's The Final Countdown, so hopefully you enjoy it. <laughs> yes, straight from Sean's personal collection, no doubt. <laughs> Toodles! <laughs>